Welcome back to another edition of the Jacob and Jacob podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Hare, joined by my fill-in host, Max Search. And today, we're joined by the best fantasy football Instagram there is, Upper Hand Fantasy. Thank you for being so... Thank you for being with us today, Faraz. I appreciate that, man. That's those are those are kind words. <laughs> Thanks, man. How's it going? Yeah, how are you? How's your family? Yeah, we're doing great, man. We're doing as good as we could be, you know, during all this COVID stuff and and all that. But yeah, I, ho- I hope you guys are staying safe and you know. Yeah, yeah, we we're staying safe. We're doing the best we can. We got two little kids at home, so it's like it's tough navigating all that and trying to keep them occupied as much as possible. Yeah, it must be difficult. Work and all that like that's the biggest of our concerns so you know nothing too crazy but still you know everybody yep. has their yeah. issues you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. for sure um, all right um so let's get it max why don't you get it right off the bat all right so how did your love for fantasy football start like what attracted you so much um you know i, I i'll be honest with you like what got me started in all of this was mostly me wanting to start something of my own right and fantasy football just happened to be the thing that I spent all of my time doing. Like when I was at work, what was I doing? I was like trying to set my lineup. I was trying to look at all the free agents available. Everyone on my waiver wire. I was looking at all these articles. I was like, you know what I mean? That's where I spent all my time. And um, I thought I could make a lot of sense of it. And I thought I, I did a good job of rationalizing a lot of like start sit decisions and all that kind of stuff in my own head you know, to the point where like, oh, okay, like this makes sense. That makes sense. So, and then I started to explain, you know, how I thought about it in my head to other people and it made sense to them too. Um, and then I started to, you know, listen to guys like Gary Vaynerchuk and other guys oh, on Gary, the internet. Yeah, Gary, Gary yeah. Vee, right? Yeah. Like he's the man. Like, I and then like you, know, you start understanding like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, this content thing online is, is a big deal. Um, and if you have something to share, why not? Right. So it, it was just about me getting started, you know, a couple few years ago, I think it was like three seasons ago. I think, I think this is going to be my fourth season. Oh, wow. I think I'm not sure. I, I think it's my fourth season. I'm going into my fourth season now, but, and it's fun. You know what I mean? And, and I think like, I like it. And it, it's gotten to the point where like, okay, like I like what I'm doing. I like putting out the content. I like engaging with everybody. I like meeting people like you guys. And like, it's just, it's just fun. So I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, not, and the good thing is that I'm not getting tired of it. I'm getting good feedback, right? So th- those are all diff- signs of like, just keep going. Did you play yeah, any uh, personal Instagram that uh, you met Gary V? That's awesome. I mean, he, he's great. Yeah, yeah, that was cool, man. I met him at my wife's job. So my wife, uh, so she works at Johnson & Johnson and, you know, he in New Jersey and he's also from the New Jersey area. So like he, like he's, he gave a talk at their company. So when I found out about it, I'm like, babe, you got to like, you got to like sneak me into your, into your building. And she did. She snuck me in and like, <laughs> I got into the audience. It was great. And I, when I met Gary Vee, I was just like, dude, my wife snuck me in here. And he, <laughs> he, he found that kind of funny. So it was, it was nice meeting him though. Yeah. He's really about like doing what you love and like following your passions, yeah. you know, not like what other people want you to do. Yeah. A hundred percent. And his books are great. Like I have like looking behind me like i have all like a bunch of his books here and and it, what i like about his stuff is that it's a lot of practical advice yeah. um, there's a lot of high level stuff too but a lot of practicality there and he's not somebody who is uh you know i think he sends a good a good message overall you know what i mean especially for younger people like who he spreads positivity which i like the most and you know me right i'm 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 a guy who like i like to smile i like to spend, send positive vibes out and and i think that's why 
you know, I, I have a pretty, I have a good relationship with most of the people who are in the community. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any advice to anyone that you that you give to an aspiring fantasy football someone that maybe would start, want to start a page or an analyst? What advice? Yeah. Would you, you know, it's so funny. Like that question to me is still funny because it's like, you know, I'm still starting out too for the most part. You know, um, but over the past couple of years, people have DM me and asked me like, "Yo, like, you know." I'm starting a page. Like, what do you, what do you recommend? And I'm like, wow, you're asking me. Okay. Uh, well, there's a few things, right? I think number one is always like, don't worry about your follower account, right? Worry about putting out good content. Worry, worry, worry about engaging with people who care. So yeah. people are, people are putting like, you know, writing comments and you, you've probably seen my stuff where I try to reply to every single person, every single comment on all my pictures or videos or whatever. I try to respond to everybody because they're taking time out of their day to like engage with me. So I'm going to engage back. And that's how relationships are, are kind of formed. Right. So you kind of want to make sure that like, you know, you're doing your part when it comes to your community or, or the community that you want to be a part of or grow. Right. Um, you, you don't want to worry about follower account. You, you want to worry about the people that are already there following you. Right. Um, and you want to make sure that like you're putting stuff out that is uh, good enough quality to the point where like you feel good about it right and you're not doing stuff just because people in your community want that right you kind of want to do what you want to do what comes natural to you and put out the content the way that you think is natural to you um and and, and that's how you'll you'll be able to keep going and keep grinding because it is a grind right like putting out content all the time it's a grind so like you got to find a way to enjoy it um but i would say you know don't worry about getting money right away don't don't, don't worry about getting paid you know, like I'm in going into my fourth year, I haven't like made any money off of this. Um, and it's, it's not about that. It's not really, it's not really about me not wanting to make money out of this. This is more like, you know, the right opportunity hasn't come to the point where like, I, I need to make money. You know, I'm lucky enough to have a full-time job, right. And a day job where like, I don't have to worry about that. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm being patient, right. As long as I can. Uh, and I'm having fun while I'm doing it. So, Anybody who's aspiring to, to, to do something like this, I think, you know, it's important to know that, um, you know, maybe your followers might not come right away. Your likes might not come right away, but that stuff really doesn't matter. It's more about put out as much as you can um, and as, as, as good of quality as you can. Don't ponder too much. Just do it. Um, if you're not sure whether you should post it, just post it. As long as it doesn't offend anybody. Um, that's really, that's really what I would say. <laughs> Was football your first love or were you a fantasy basketball guy, fantasy hockey guy? Maybe for, fan, for fantasy, it was always uh, football. Okay. Um, I, my first sport was basketball. I grew up playing basketball. Um, and then, you know, once I got to high school, college, that's when I started playing recreationally. Um, yeah. But yeah, but honestly, like basketball was always my thing. When I was super young, like, you know, like that last Michael Jordan NBA finals was like really what I – what got me into it um and then after that it was like kobe was like you know i have a picture of kobe on my wall right there but like he's like he was like my guy so i was like following him you know you know throughout my youth um and yeah and so it's been basketball but now like it's by far football and nothing really comes close yeah so i can tell from your page like you're a big numbers guy you like to rely on like specific stats like target share and snap counts so like, where do you get your information from? Do you do it yourself or like, what's your go-to website? Oh, yeah. It's, it's all over the place. Um, 
And you know, what's funny. Like I, I've compiled enough over the past couple of years where sometimes I go to my own website and I'll like search for stuff. <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I did. I did research on like, you know, Stefan Diggs last year. Let me just go look at my website real quick and I'll find something. And WordPress does a really good job of like being able to search through all your articles, which is cool. Okay, gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, no. I, what I would say is that like I and and that's a great point because I, I pride myself in being the best Googler ever, right? Like it's 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 important because it also it, it takes a lot of time, right? And a lot of people might not be willing to put in the time to like you know just write for, for just for one Instagram post, right? But I, for me, when I'm when I have a post to put out. I'm putting it out with an objective in mind, right? Like I haven't, I always, so I have a list in my notes, right? I use the notes app on my MacBook or on my iPhone. I have, I have a hypothesis of like, you know, this guy because of this situation might be good. So I'll list those out and then like, I'll choose one and then I'll just like go into it and then just do every, every research imaginable for that topic. And sometimes I prove myself wrong and I can't post because my hypothesis was wrong. And, and that, that's why I like the numbers because like sometimes I'm wrong, right? Sometimes I don't want to, I don't want to post something because I thought something, I might've said something even, but I have to retract that or I have to change my mind. And I think from now until the beginning of the season, it's very important to be able to change your mind because new data is going to come along that you haven't seen. And you kind of have to factor all that in. It's easy right now to be like so high on the player. Right. And then come August, you're like, eh, I actually, I actually don't know about that because new information came along um, and new data came along. And I'm, I'm big on that because that's something that you can look at and say like, okay, when this happens, it's more likely that that will happen. Right. And, and that's basically what it's about for me. Right. If I can have some data that supports, um, uh, you know, my hypothesis or, or what I think might happen on the field, I'm going to lean in that direction. Obviously I watch all the games too. Yeah. Right. So I put those two together and um, I just like make my my best judgment from there. Are you a red zone guy, direct ticket guy? Oh, red zone for sure. Okay. So red on zone. Sundays, I'll watch red zone all day. And then as soon as the games are over, I feel guilty as hell that I haven't spent any time with my family. <laughs> Every Sunday night, that's exactly what happens. I'm like, shit. And sometimes even like that eight o'clock game, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to spend an hour with my wife. Watch uh, like watch some like show with her for an hour. And then like be looking on my phone on the side, you know, just like <laughs> seeing what the score is in the game or whatever. You don't know the uh, struggle. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's, it's hard, man. Um, but it's tough. It's tough. Um, but you know, during like, and then Sunday night, like overnight and like Monday I'll go and watch um, game pass. I have game pass and then I'll go and, you know, watch specific plays, uh, specific games, some stuff that I missed, that sort of thing. Um, so I know we like kind of covered this earlier, but, like a lot of other guys in this industry do this for money. Like there's one guy specifically, I don't know if I don't know. Like, every, like every yeah. message is like $4 with the guy. Like why yeah. do you do it for free? And like, yeah. So why do you do it for free? And I, I think, um, well, one of the good reasons for, of doing it for free is that it's relatively pure when I can show that what my true intentions are. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I can put my best stuff out for free, then there's no, like, I don't want to have anything hidden in my pocket, right? Like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to say something about a player, but then keep one like key stat out and like save it for my like, you know, my eight ninety nine bundle that you can buy for my draft kit. It, it, I mean, and that's fine. Like, I think a lot of people do that. And, and that's a real way of making money as a fantasy football analyst. 
You know what I mean? And if I didn't have a job, you know, that paid well, that paid my bills and all that kind of stuff, like I would hundred percent consider yeah. it, consider it hundred percent. Like, you know, no doubt about it. Right. Um, but the fact that I don't have to, and I'm lucky that I don't have to, um, I think it actually creates more leverage long-term because I think, you know, a lot of more, a lot more people would be following me for a lot longer. And the value exchange becomes that, Hey, uh, you know, Faraz gave me value for five years without charging me a dime. Right. Um, and I think that's how you, you get a more loyal, uh, following. Right. And, um, I think the relationship is more pure from the person who's putting out the content. Um, and when I charge you five ninety nine, then you're, you're a, you're expecting more, mm-hmm. right. And B the relationship is a little bit different now. Yeah. Right. Um, now, and the reason why I like that is because I rather make money else uh, uh, another way. I rather get big enough to, uh, for a point where like I'll have sponsorships or I'll have de- brand, deals with brands or that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Um, an advertisement on a podcast, once that gets to a scale where, um, you know, it's big enough to make money, right? That's how I rather monetize. And um, obviously like, tr- uh, I think monetizing through the audience is always an option, yeah. but it's something that I haven't had to do yet. So I'd rather um, just leave that on the table um, and kind of in the back and just kind of focus on the upside long-term. Typical day, some, it's usually football season. How many hours are you spending on the page answering DMs? You said earlier that you usually answer all comments. So during the season, during the season, it's tough. I can't get to all DMs. Like it's just physically impossible. Unless I'm literally from the more, the moment I wake up to the moment, like I go to sleep, like I'm answering DMs. That means no content, no nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, comments. I try to get to all of them, but even, even in the middle of the season, even that is just like, it's not easy. Um, but I would say like in the middle of the season during the day, I probably spend maybe five to six hours on the page. And then, well, let me see. Maybe more than that, that. maybe five to seven hours on the page. Um, now if I'm not, and that's assuming that I have work to do for my day job and I'm lucky enough to be able to work from home, even before this whole COVID thing, I was working from home. Um, so what's that? You're ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Like, I'm lucky. I had my office set up and everything. It was, it was, it was, it was an easy, tra- relatively easy transition for me. Um, but, um, but yeah, so like, it, you know, the fact that I was able to um, make the transition to work from home, you know, if, if my day is light at my day job, I'll put those hours into upper hand. Um, and that's kind of how I had to do stuff because I'm trying to put out content everywhere, right? I'm trying to have a podcast, I, you know, I'm, I'm setting this up so that I have, I'm trying to put up YouTube videos this season as well. And I'm just trying to do as much as I can with the time that I have. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I'll ask, I'll go ahead with the next question. So what do you think about these big name, big name guys like Le'Veon Bell, Juju Smith-Schuster, Odell Beckham and Todd Gurley, like going after the third round? Do you think that their value is their ADP is too high right now, too low? What do you think? Yeah, I think they're values. Like, obviously, a guy like OBJ, like, his upside is big. And he was hurt all year, all year last year. Um, and, you know, I, I watched, like, an episode or two of his vlog on YouTube. <laughs> Believe it or not. That's, that's that kind of upper hand research that I do, all right? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, 
you know, he's basically rebuilding his body. You know, he had a lot of nagging injuries over the past couple of years. And it kind of gets to the point where like you have to work on your mobility and all that. And you have to get to a point where your body's all functioning together. And that's what he's doing right now. Um, so yeah, I think that because of that injury, Jarvis Landry, you know, he had off season surgery. Um, so I think Odell Beckham is a little bit underrated going into the season. Like for me, I like buying those post hype players, right? Like when these high upside players are going the third, fourth round, my eyes always on them every single year. That's why Leonard Fournette was on my, on my eye last year, especially because of the offense that he was go- going into. Yeah. I might not like him as much this year, uh, but you know, it's always about getting those players that would have gone in the first round if they were healthy, if they were in a good situation, uh, but they dropped because of how, what happened the year before. A guy like Le'Veon, um, same thing. He's my favorite guy. Like you can get him at the end of the third round right now, which is absurd, right? Um, he, like a lot of people don't like the fact that he's on the Adam Gase offense and he's on the Jets and all that. But the offensive line is part of the, is a huge reason why he was terrible last year. Um, and I'm not really a lot of his metrics, efficiency metrics stayed the same. And the only thing that was really different was the yards that were created by the offensive line. So, you know, a guy like him, I'm looking, I'm looking at for sure. Um, yeah, they signed Frank Gore, but he's like 43, 43 years old. So, like, it's, it's okay. Like, he's not, he might get seven to nine to ten touches a game, but there's still plenty for Le'Veon. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, 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 into, I'm into those guys. Um, Todd Gurley, yeah, you know, him going to the third round, like, I'm, I'm fine taking him, especially if I took a wide receiver, like, in the second or something like that. I need my RB2. Uh, because he's going to get the work. Devontae Freeman had a ton of receptions last year, a ton of targets. Um, and I think the Todd Gurley can assume, if not, you know, most, if not all of that. Are you high on the Falcons offense with Todd Gurley? I think Todd Gurley uh, – so it's one of those things where, like, the Falcons offense was going to be the Falcons offense with or without Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he, he adds this, like, huge dynamic element to it or anything like that. It's going to be a pass-first offense regardless, you know um, – Todd Munkin, um, I'm sorry, um, Dirk Cutter is the offensive coordinator there. So, you know, it's going to be that pass-heavy offense. They were, they were number one in pass attempts last year. So, you know, this is going to be a pass-first offense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are multiple guys on this offense. You have Julio, you have Ridley, you have Hayden Hurst, who's, going to, who's all going to be fantasy relevant. Then you have Todd Gurley as well. Um, so, yeah, so there's going to be guys, there's going to be a bunch of guys on this offense that are going to be relevant. Is your draft strategy, like, basically – based off of who you like or is it mostly value and like who you think you're getting the best value out of at that pick? It's a good question. Um, both, a mix of both. And I like how you asked that question because yeah, it's, it is always about, because for me, I'm actually putting together a list right now. I haven't done this in, in a year, but this yeah, year, you never have like rankings on like, you don't really have like a, yeah, yeah. right. But this year I'm actually going to put together a running list of guys that I'm targeting. Okay. Um, and a bunch of other stuff um, included with that. And I'll update it every single week um, because that stuff changes. Right. So um, yeah. So um, I'm definitely going to be like looking for, for the guys I'm going to be targeting guys. And if I really like a guy like Alan Robinson is like the first guy that comes to mind. Um, he's like going in the middle, going in the middle of the third round, something like that. Like I'll take him at the end of the second because like, I like him that much. And you know, there's certain guys that I, I I'm willing to take ahead of, where they're supposed to be taken because I want, I want them. And if I don't pick them now, then I'll lose them. Right. And I'm okay doing that. It depends on who it is. I have to look at who's on the table. I have to look at like, you know, is this guy the same, same tier as this guy only one tier below? Will he be there with my next pick? That sort of thing. And I'm fine. Like, you know, going that direction. 
Um, but I think, you know, if I'm, if I see that, you know, somebody dropped, you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know, like a Leonard Fournette, for example, or a Todd Gurley, something like that. And they're, they're like, they, they drop to a point where like, well, I already have my two running backs, but my RB3 being one of those guys, like, oh, I'll take that all day. You know what I mean? Because you want the running back depth and then you also want um, to have a leg up on the competition. Um, because I know that if those guys dropped, I'll probably be able, be able to get some value, you know, later on, uh, you know, with my next pick. So it, it's a combination of both. So uh, upper hand, can you give a little preview of some of your sleepers for next season for our listeners? Yeah, sure. So I'll just pull up the list that I was creating. Okay. Um, I was doing that last night. And um, so here are some guys that I'm targeting late. Um, and late, I mean like eighth, ninth round and later, right? So Deontay Johnson, right? He's one of my favorite guys. And his ADP is kind of creeping up a little bit, um, which because everyone's talking him up. Um, Hayden Hurst is, is, is the tight end that I'm looking at, you know, around the ninth round. Uh, Darius Slayton has a ton of upside. Um, Alexander Madison is somebody that everybody has to look at, but his ADP is climbing up with the Dalvin Cook news. Um, Christian Kirk, as you know, I think that if, if DeAndre Hopkins is going to, you know, assume, uh, you know, all the, the wide receiver one coverage, you know, a guy like Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald is getting a year older. Yes, he's still Larry Fitzgerald, but there's going to be a point where, you know, that's going to come to an end. Um, so Christian Kirk can be, can be a wide receiver two on a pass heavy offense. Um, without getting that number one coverage like he was getting last season. Um, and I, also, if you assume that Kyler Murray's going to take a step forward, you know, that's also something that you have to consider. Um, Jamison Crowder, there's no clear wide receiver one right now, yeah. um, in, you know, in New York. And, you know, Denzel Mims is coming in. He's going to be a rookie. So, you know, I, you, know you can't expect the world. Uh, Rashad Perriman is going to be a great deep threat, you know, but I think it's really going to be like, you know, uh, Chris Herndon, Jamison Crowder, Chris Herndon, by the way, another one. Um, th- those two guys are going to be, uh, you know, pretty good PPR assets, and they're going relatively late. Um, Anthony Miller is somebody that I'm still kind of looking into right now. I want to make sure that he is, um, uh, you know, he kind of – see, the, what I like about him is that he's a talented player. I've always liked him coming out of college. Um, he's – you know, this offense is a little iffy for him, but he's never had a great quarterback. Um, yeah. Nick Foles coming in, you know, prior to last season, Nick Foles was target, targeting the slot – uh, more than any other quarterback um, that season. So that's something that I'm interested in as well. But I have to look into him a little bit more. Brashad Perriman, I mentioned him. Um, you know, he had a really, really high uh, yards per route run number last year. He was up there with the elites. Um, but, you know, he had a lot of big plays. So that could have, you know, contributed to that. It was also a small sample size. But if you're shooting for upside, you know, and you think that Sam Darnold can take a step forward, better offensive line. Sam Darnold was pressured more than any other quarterback last year per dropback. So something to consider. Um, AJ Dillon, right? I think that he can easily be part of a one-two punch with Aaron Jones. And he might not, honestly, like this could be a, a situation with both of them getting, getting almost the same amount of touches. That is very possible. And um, with his talent, um, you know, he could be a guy who can, uh, who can hit, hit with his talent and this scheme, he's somebody that who could be very fantasy relevant that a lot of people aren't really talking about. Um, Anthony McFarland, he could potentially be the RB2 behind James Conner. Um, and if James Conner were to go down, um, there are other guys there, Benny Snell um, and all that. And Benny Snell was the guy that, um, that Coach, Kauf, uh, Coach Tomlin said that was going to be like the heir apparent to James Conner. But I- I'm not so sure about that just because I'm a little bit speculative on 
on his pass catching skills. So Anthony McFarlane is somebody that I'm looking at. He's a rookie. Um, and yeah, I, I, that's what I have so far. Um, guys like Jack Doyle, maybe, you know, because, you know, Ebron left and we know how much Philip Rivers likes his tight end. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much who I'm looking at. Jordan Howard is another guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of going through the list, the list randomly. There's probably way more names than you wanted to know. But I just went through the all. I went through that whole list with you. The more the better. The more the better. <laughs> um, so in a league with a $200 allowance, like what do you think about spending top money, like $75, $80 on Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley? Yeah, you got to get those guys. Like get your workhorse running backs. Like I'm fine – spending like you know 40 percent of my fat like of my, of my allowance on those big money running backs get get your McCaffrey you know get your Barkley get your Zeke um get those workhorse running backs because you're not be able to get them what's that, that would you put Kamara in that tier or is he a little close to it you know yeah. what I'm saying close to it if you're gonna spend 80 bucks on McCaffrey I'll spend 65 70 70 bucks on Kamara yeah in, in a full PPR league in a full yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Kamara was hurt last year. He would have done a lot more damage. Um, he's not going to be the workhorse back, but, you know, with him, he's shown efficiency. He's shown enough efficiency in that offense where, you know, he, he's worth he's worth the money. Um, and I think he would have got more touches last year if he wasn't – if he didn't get that high ankle injury. Um, before the high ankle injury, it wasn't, you know, an amazing amount of touches, right? They, they, they brought in Latavius Murray. He might get a bigger, a bigger role next year. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's worth spending money on those running backs, Kamara in PPR leagues, and and uh, you know Joe Mixon, you know guys like that, end of the first round guys, you know spend spend your fifty bucks on because you know you're gonna get to a point in the season where you're like oh shit, I don't have that many running backs, you know what I mean? I have one good running back, I have one and a half good running backs, and that's it. And you're not gonna be able to to get that on the waiver wire um, receivers. You're gonna be able to get them all year, all all year long, um, and and it'll be fun. even in twelve team leagues. Like there are receivers on the waiver wire every single week. So uh, sticking with Christian McCaffrey, he's a new coach, Matt Rule. How do you expect that to influence him this season? Do you think it will have a positive influence, or do you think that it will be negative on his play? Yeah, I think so. I think the combination of him and Joe Brady coming from LSU, like it's gonna be a great combination. I mean, look at Clyde Edwards-Helaire; he had the most catches of any college football running back last year. Um, I mean, he had a shit ton of catches. He had like 50 catches in college football. That doesn't happen, right? And Christian McCaffrey is obviously the staple of that in the NFL. So Joe Brady coming in, I mean, it's a match made in heaven, right? Uh, and then you have Teddy Bridgewater who loves to check it out. Um, Matt Rule too. His running backs were more involved in the passing game than most college running backs as well. So um, I, think, I think it's a great match. It's a great, it's a great match for McCaffrey. What about Alvin Kamara? Do you like his uh, value this season still with Latavius Murray there, or do you expect Kamara maybe to have a bigger season than uh, most people expect? I think uh, it'll definitely be better than last year. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, let's see. Let's see where he's going. Uh, full point PPR. He's going 105, and I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, like when you look at the guys behind him, um, there aren't too many guys who are as involved in the passing game and the running game as he is. Yeah, because the guys after him, Derrick Henry, and he's basically uh, basically a runner. Uh, Joe Mixon is very involved in both, but you know, Gio Bernard unfortunately takes a little bit of that passing down role, and that kind of sucks. I wish that Joe Mixon was like like getting like ninety percent of the snaps, but he's not. Um, but I do think that he's a candidate to, to to that you have to kind of like aim for towards the end of the first round because you're drafting him at his floor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, uh, and I you, you asked me about Alvin Kamara, but Alvin Kamara is a guy who has the upside of being the one-on-one, right, in, 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 the, in the Saints offense. But does he have, you know, the enough work to kind of make you happy every single week? Maybe not, right? They did add Emmanuel Sanders. You know, he's going to get, um, you know, a, a sizable target share. Listen, Emmanuel Sanders is a really talented wide receiver, yeah. right? And he's going into a system where Drew Brees and him are going to, they're going to get along. They're going to be able to, I don't think they're getting along right now, but they're, they're going to, they're going to get along. Um, and because when talent meets talent, like it's going to work, right? When professionalism meets professionalism, it works. So he, Drew Brees just didn't have that. Yeah. He had some talented guys, but it wasn't anything like Emmanuel Sanders. So there are going to be targets going his way. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, the target share going away from Michael Thomas a little bit, a little bit away from Kamara. Um, they have Jared Cook, you know, who had his fair share of injuries as well last year. So he'll be back. Um, so, you know, he, he, Kamara isn't like the safest option because we know that Sean Payton likes to use, you know, somewhat of a committee. But I think Kamara getting like 65% of the snaps um, to 75% of the snaps like is enough um, to be okay with him, you know, in the middle of the first round in, in full PPR leagues only. Like if I'm in a half PPR, if I'm in a full, if I'm in a, uh, you know, non-PPR league, like I'm, I'm not really going near Kamara unless he's going like the second round, which he's not. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, before we let you go, cause it's been a little while, I'm sure you have to get back to your family and whatsoever. It's all good, man. I'm working on upper hand after this, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> what are your expectations for rookie quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, and Justin Herbert? Do you think that uh, they'll provide immediate fantasy production or are you waiting on that for now? I think when it comes to the rookies, I usually wait on the rookies as far as the quarterbacks themselves. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't think that we should avoid the, the offenses completely. Like if there are elite players on those offenses, we should still pay attention to them and even take advantage of certain discounts, right? Like if AJ Green is fully healthy going to next year, I don't think we treat him like a wide receiver three the way he's being treated as one now. Absolutely. So he's, you should treat him a little bit better than that, right? You should treat him as like a wide receiver, uh, a wide receiver two, a high wide receiver two, and not draft him like a wide receiver three. So you, you, you want to take that value there, right? Um, when you have a guy like Tua, you know, you want to make sure that like, okay, well, I don't know. Am I going to draft Devontae Parker, right? I know, that, I know that Ryan Fitzpatrick loves, you know, his outside wide receivers, but, you know, if that change takes place, will it happen? I don't know. Right. So it's tough. It's tough to like um, to really uh, have a lot of confidence in these guys, but you can't stay away uh, from guys when you have when there's a good price. Like Devontae Parker, his price is OK. Right. But there are reports that two was going to take over from the start. Yep. Right. Um, who was the other guy you mentioned? Oh, Justin Herbert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So and we'll see. We'll see if he gets a start right off the bat. Um, I'm guessing he will. But but we still we still have to we still have to wait and see on that. Um, and you know, when you, when you have certain elite players, like you want to still aim for them. And if they're dropping, you know, that the offense is going to be tailored around them. So you still want to, uh, take advantage of those situations and take advantage of those values. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show, upper hand. We really appreciate it. No problem guys. This was fun. Business. Business. Everyone, everyone needs to subscribe and check out his Instagram and you're working on your YouTube more. So everyone should subscribe to your YouTube as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, don't go on my YouTube yet. It's terrible. 
All right. Well, <laughs> stick to Instagram, upper hand fantasy. All right. And <laughs> you'll shoot him a DM. He always responds or he tries to at least. So. I'll try. I'll try my best. Yeah. Thanks, man.